Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazar, and today we're going to be recapping the victory of your Kansas State Wildcats over the West Virginia Mountaineers, much to the chagrin of an old on Twitter who feels the need to bully us without realizing that we very simply do not care, (laughs) as... This has happened before. We just think it's funny. But let's just get right into the meat and potatoes of the episode. K-State won by doubling up West Virginia. It was a 34-17 victory, and a victory in which we never once trailed in this game. And while at certain points it felt very, very uncomfortable, yeah, namely the the third quarter, I remember feeling particularly uncomfortable, but we never once trailed in... When looking back on it, it was a pretty dominant victory by the Cats. Yeah, and honestly, like, the third quarter got off to an unusually good start because we actually scored a touchdown, and we're up t- we were up 24-3 uh, for a while in the third quarter. But then they drove right down the field, uh, they got a touchdown, and then they got another touchdown at the very beginning of the fourth quarter, in the first few minutes. Uh, but Cats able to score on their next possession. And then they were able to tack on a field goal a little later. So the game did get a little closer there for a while. It was a one-score game briefly, but K-State was able to pull away. Yeah. So now let's go into the general game day recap. Let's start off on the offensive side of the ball. Actually, do you want to take offensive or defensive side of the ball? Um, I'll take defense. You go with the offense. Sick. I... Let's start off by talking about the man under center, or in shotgun in most cases, Skylar Thompson. He was 14 for 19 for 138 yards, one touchdown and no interceptions. Though, he realistically probably should have been picked off twice, because he tried to go short on one pass, and that was just a straight-up dropped pick six. And the other one, he it was an ill-advised throw. He made a couple of really questionable decisions and a few ill-advised throws, but honestly, he just got lucky in the fact that they weren't picked, and I'm not going to count the fact that he's lucky against him, because if that were the case, Tom Brady would be a bottom five, like, all-time great quarterback. I said what I said. Tom Brady's the luckiest quarterback in history, and that's the only reason he's elite. Anyway, uh, we're going to get hate mail for that one. That's eh, okay. I'll that's take the brunt of that one. It's whatever. Yeah, it's whatever. But yeah. And then, yeah, the, I don't know if you mentioned it, but there was the the pick that uh, Skyler, really, really, really bad pick, but got bailed out because of the most obvious targeting in human history. Yeah. That was one of the dumbest plays I've ever seen in my entire life. Literally, like, had absolutely no reason to do that. And he, like, loaded up and, and headbutted him. Textbook targeting, that was one of the easiest reviews I've seen in a while. Because he might be stupid. He is. He, he is. might be stupid. But anyway, Deuce was himself. 25 rushes for 121 yards, one touchdown. Two receptions for six yards. Joe Irvin got himself in the game. He had nine rushes for 31 yards, including a long of 22 with one touchdown. Phillip Brooks was five for 62 in terms of receptions. Sammy Wheeler arguably caught the most two impactful catches of the game. That being a sick uh, fourth and eight yeah, it was fourth conversion. And, yeah, it was fourth down and eight for 35 yards. Yeah, fourth and eight conversion followed by a touchdown catch. 
And the fourth and eight conversion was a ridiculously good throw, but it was an equally good catch. Yep. Yeah, that was a really, really tight window that Thompson uh, fit that into. It was definitely his best throw on the year. And it was in a game where his accuracy was pretty hit and miss, and he was making questionable choices. And that was just a perfect ball, exactly when we needed it. And then, yeah, like you said, Wheeler made a very good catch. He's been pretty quiet this year for the most part, especially relative to how he was used last year where he was kind of a chunk play receiver. Kind of had that Matter Bebe role, mm-hmm. uh, except instead of this uh, this route, uh, just the seam uh, or the post, uh, he was uh, just running the uh, cross on the bootlegs. Yeah. So... Then we had a collection of receivers get one reception. Nick Lenners had one for 10, Howell one for 7. Cade Warner was quiet today, which honestly surprised me. Uh, one for 4, and then Landry. 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 Landry had one for 4. But I think the biggest story of the day is how much our offensive line really stepped up. Because if you go back and listen to the preview show, we were very, very apprehensive about specifically the interior of our offensive line. Yep. And they performed admirably. Yes, they gave up 11 TFLs and one sack. A lot of those were on outside running plays, where the offensive line is kind of... Yeah. And then some of those TFLs also happened uh, at the very end of the game, when it was already wrapped up, and Jaron Lewis was in a quarterback. And, yeah, and it was, they want to save Will's red shirt, which is another story for another yep. time. Yeah, but they uh, there was a couple handoffs to Joe Irvin, which also hurt his averages. Instead of kneeing it out, uh, we gave Joe a few handoffs to the outside, and he yeah. got tackled for loss. Then RJ, uh, on the jet sweep, he lost a little bit of yardage. So uh, the TFLs do get skewed by that a little bit, but... Uh, other than that, the offensive line, they they were much better than I was expecting. I was expecting the offensive line, honestly, to perform really poorly, especially the interior uh, against the pass rush uh, and just general dominance. of uh, Mostly Akeem, Mesador, and Dante Stills. Yeah, but they performed very admirably. So. Yeah, so now Connor's got you for defense. And defensively, uh, the team was led in tackles by one Mr. Cody Fletcher, who has really stepped it up as of late. He had seven tackles with one tackle for loss, as well as his first career interception to seal the game in the closing moments. Fletcher, like I said, he's really stepped it up as of late. I've been really impressed with this play. Yeah, as have I. Yeah, and the linebackers just in general have really stepped up. Uh, Speaking of which, Green, he had six tackles, Daniel Green. Uh, six tackles with one sack, which was the TFL. Uh, and that's that was a pretty crazy sack because that was the play where Stubby just detonated the running back. But it oh, was, yeah. But it was a read option, so it actually didn't mean anything. <laughs> Stubby the, coming in with yeah. the motor play of the game. Yep. And then Daniel Green and Jared Dagey. I don't even know if it was a designed read. Honestly, I think... Dagey just saw Stubby coming and just kept the ball. I don't want you to die. I I, I think that's what it was. And Daniel Green read that, so he saw Stubby took care of his assignment, so he went and took care of Jarrett Dagey, which led to a near second straight punt block by Ty Bowman again in the exact same hole. (laughs) (laughs) West Virginia saw the issue they had on punt, uh, uh, on their punting unit, and just said, we're just not going to do anything about that. (laughs) And uh, so it nearly bit them twice in a row. Um, also, Julius Brents, 
he had six tackles. Five of them were solo. I remember him having a pretty big TFL as well on a run to the outside by Letty Brown, which was yeah. set up pretty well by the defensive line, everybody filling in their uh, their gaps, respectively. Yeah. So, Brent's, again, uh, another nice performance uh, and a return from a minor injury against KU. Yeah. Ross Boss, uh, Mr. Elder, he had five tackles. And a nice, nice pass breakup. A near one-handed interception. <laughs> no, um, those are two different plays. Really? He had the PBU in the end, like near the red zone, remember? On a wheel route. Oh, you're receiver. right. You're right. He had a sick PBU and then almost had a one-handed interception. So he was not credited with two pass breakups then. Should have been. Should have been. So Ross Elder, we know... We know Everyone... We know gives you a lot of crap, man. You did it. You've had, like, three good games in a row. Ross has been playing an insane amount of snaps, and he has completely changed as a player from last year, where he was just getting picked on constantly. And there have been moments like that this year, but they, especially over the last stretch of games, they've been sparing. They've they've been very few and far between. And he has really played the part of power five safety and doesn't look out of place as much anymore. He's been impressive. I I'll I say hesitate it. to say, but I I'm really liking what I'm seeing from him. I admit I never thought I would say that in my entire life. But Ross, <laughs> if you told us that when we started this show, we would have we would have laughed in your face. The most insane person yeah. on planet Earth would have laughed in your face. Yep. But the Ross boss, he. He had a good game. Near one-handed interception. <laughs> if you remember the play Russ Yeast had against TCU, where he nearly had a one-handed pick uh, later in that game, it was basically the exact same thing. Same part of the field, too, which is really weird. But then we have uh, Mr. Jerome McPherson. He had five tackles, as well as a pass breakup, which also should have been an interception. Yep. Uh, I remember that one pretty clearly. It was a third down, I think. And uh, Jerome, he was... I don't remember him making any bonehead plays for the most part, so uh, he, which he kind of had been here and there, mm-hmm. uh, almost a bit of a regression from last year, yeah. but he had a pretty solid day. Then we get to the man of the hour, Mr. Russ Yeast. He had four tackles, three of them solo, one assisted tackle, which doesn't sound like much, but then he comes out here with a forced fumble uh, and then an interception uh, the very beginning of the game, and then three pass breakups. One of which was one of the most like boomstick hits of all year. Like all year. Yep, he had a crazy hit. Uh, he had another one at some point, which I think was just a pass breakup. And then he had the um, absolutely incredible one on the flea flicker, which was about to be a huge chunk play for West Virginia, and he just came out of nowhere and just uh, deleted that. Uh, he was the ultimate definition of a safety. He was a safety blanket mm-hmm. uh, in the secondary. Russ East was phenomenal in this game, and that there's no other way to put it than that. He was just so impressive. Um, and then we also have Nate Matlick. He had four tackles. He had two tackles for loss and one sack to go with a forced fumble, and he also had a QB hurry to go with that. Nate Matlick... He was honestly, when he was in and he was pass rushing on the right tackle, he got held every single time. Yep. It, it was awful because 
Neymat looked is so fast. He is so fast for a defensive end, and he was just going right past the right tackle. Mm-hmm. Same move every single time. Yeah. Well, actually, he switched up here and there. Um, yeah, because he, like, it, say what you will, like, is he as good a pass rusher as Felix? No. Does he have more moves than Felix? Yes. It's just that Felix has, like, two moves, and both of them murder people. Yep. I, both of them are actually, like, registered war crimes. <laughs> but Matt, like, he is really promising. He picked up another sack. I believe that puts him at two or three on the year. And he's been very promising as a now redshirt freshman, I believe. I'm really looking forward to what his career holds because we have just a lot of exciting players in the defense that are young. We have some exciting guys that are a little older as well, but Matt Lick's part of that young core to look out for uh, here in the future. Uh, and then we have Stubby, Mr. Reggie Stubblefield, the sauce <laughs> boss himself with three tackles as well as a tackle for loss and a fumble recovery late in the game to really help put the game out of reach. It was a clutch. There was an excellent forced fumble by mm-hmm. Felix. He was blocked, borderline held. You know, as yeah, all of just, our line was. And just stuck his paw out and just thwacked the ball. The way that Felix tackles actually has a lot to do with how many forced fumbles he takes. Because most people under, like, go under. He goes over. He goes over. And because the way you're trained to hold the ball is protect it from under, if you hit it downwards... Most people don't know how to deal with that. Yep. So he just clubs it down. And then Letty Brown was getting a little lazy with the ball as well in that. He was going into chaos and only had it in one hand. Probably should have covered it up a little bit more. Yeah. But Felix took advantage of that. Um, But Stubby uh, came away with the fumble recovery there. Absolutely lost his mind after it. We've said before, I'll say it again, we love Stubby on this podcast. He is incredible. The energy he brings onto the field is something. It's, it's like nothing I've ever seen before. <laughs> like, so he gold star every single week for me, Mister Stubblefield. I love you, Stubby. I love you, Stubby. But then we move on to Mister Felix Enyedike. No sacks this week, but he did about everything else. Uh, he had three tackles. He had a tackle for loss this week as well as the force fumble that was previously mentioned, and a QB hurry. So Felix, he was still making his presence known despite not recording a sack, because we're reaching the point where basically entire blocking schemes are being planned around his existence. Yeah. So that's opening up for guys like Nate Matlick to face uh, lesser blockers and really just expose them. Mm-hmm. So that's Felix's impact now. Then we get to maybe the unsung hero of the day, Mr. Eli Huggins. He had three tackles. Uh, one and a half tackles for loss, as well as a sack. It was a coverage sack on a big third down earlier in the game. Uh, it seems like our defense has been excellent at that. Just coverage sacks on very important third downs to knock opponents out of field goal range. Huggins had a very similar sack against Stanford in the first game, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, just a very unsung day. For Huggins, it seems like we've been having a lot of days like this recently where we have players that have just an excellent game, but one guy just really shines above everyone else and kind of overshadows everybody. But, And then we have Mr. Austin Moore. He has actually been playing pretty well. Only had one tackle, but he did have a half of a TFL uh, help out with uh, Eli Huggins there. Uh, but Austin Moore, 
he's been surprisingly good yeah. as of late. Uh, he's he's really been nice. Like I, I don't know what else to say about him. Uh, he's exceeded my expectations for sure. Which granted, we're very low. Yes, <laughs> that, that is true. Uh, we the only linebacker we had expectations for was Daniel Green. Yeah, that was I was a Deuce Green, and that was it. And the linebacker core, especially as of late, has far exceeded my expectations. But the defense, they looked great. Yes, they gave up 268 passing yards, but it was screens, drags, dink and dunk stuff that, I mean, anytime they tried to go deep on the defense, it was deleted. There, It was not happening. The furthest pass that I saw them really complete was, I think, 15 yards, maybe. Something like that. Yeah, it was. There was, like, and there was like one occasion of that. Most everything else was inside the sticks, so nothing crazy. But the defense was great. We, for the most part, contained Letty Brown. Uh, he only had 85 rushing yards. They definitely wanted to have more than that. He didn't really break away, as I recall. No. So he tried mm-hmm. a couple times. He came close. Yeah, he, he he did come really close a few times, but yeah, just as a whole, it was. It was great, and then I guess we can we can include special teams. Here. Yeah, uh, the blocked punt, of course, that was game changing. By, by Ty Bowman. Yeah, Ty Bowman. Shout out to Shout Ty Bowman of Shenute. Represent ACK, SEK. Yep, of uh, Shenute, Kansas, uh, former high school rival, but uh, Ty Bowman came through with the big punt block, and then Marvin Martin, the true freshman, uh, scoops it up and returns it for a touchdown. That. That that was a massive momentum swing. At that point in the game, I felt like we were going to win by fifty because West yeah. Virginia just did not have a pulse at that moment. So yeah. So with the general game day recap done, let's get into the game day grades, where we go through every single position, including coordinators, giving them a grade from A plus to F. A plus basically meaning they single handedly won us the game, and F meaning they almost single handedly lost it. I'll give you a hint: this is going to be another week where no one gets below a B. Uh, <laughs> I'll give you a hint. Yeah, it, it was a good week for us. But starting with the man under center, quarterback Skyler Thompson. Now, I feel like people are going to, you know it's bad when you have to defend your grade before you even give it. Uh, it's a B. But I feel like people are going to look at the low yardage counter and only one touchdown, and people are going to misconstrue that as me and and like saying oh Skyler didn't have a good day Skyler had a good day but it's a good day where he did just about everything he needed to and nothing more and my expectations for him were higher but he did everything he needed to so therefore he gets a B if those picks stand he probably gets knocked down to a D but again I'm not going to hold the fact that he's lucky against him in grading. Yeah. I went ahead. I was a little bit more harsh with Skyler. I gave him a C plus. It wasn't because he was bad. It was because he was um, he was fine. Uh, he had the one big time throw to Sammy. And he did throw that nice touchdown to him as well. But he was a bit more hit and miss. It was definitely his worst game in a little while. Yeah. Uh, which doesn't mean it was an awful game especially for what our offense uh, requires, which is not a ton from the passing game generally, especially when the run game's working. But, yeah, he was efficient, 14-19. and 19, That's good. Uh, but, like we said, he had the bad pick that was overturned. That was a really bad pick. Uh, just looking for Knowles, just did not see the underneath coverage. 
uh, but the targeting wiped that out. And then uh, you had the near interception a little later. Uh, I think it was also to Knowles, maybe. And uh, that went through the defender's hands. Uh, other than that, not a ton of major mistakes, but those were two really, really bad mistakes from Skyler. And other than that, he did what was asked of him. Had a, one or two uh, scrambles out of the pocket, that I recall. Mm. And all around was pretty good, but didn't do anything spectacular. So uh, I remain with a C plus for him. Maybe that's a little bit harsh. He may have earned a B minus, but I'm going to go ahead and stick with C plus. I'll stick to my guns there. Someone you know is definitely going to say you're too harsh. Yes, there is somebody <laughs> that I know that will that will definitely text me about this. Uh, but anyway, let's get into the running backs led. No, no, yeah, led by both Deuce Vaughn and Joe Irvin. And this is one of those times that I, I was flirting with giving them just a straight-up A, but there are also a few times looking back at it that there are holes that they just kind of missed, especially Joe. Joe's, for all of Joe's, like, great traits, like his, he's a violent, violent runner, and he does have a few moves. Where he really falters is that he's very much a pick-a-gap-and-run, like, his his vision is it's bad. I, I'm just gonna say it. he has very bad vision as a running back. Deuce doesn't have that same problem, but they contributed quite a bit. No major mistakes, so I'm gonna give him an A minus. And the only reason it's not just a straight up A because I feel like there were there were a few yards left on the field, and also being realistic, I have different expectations for Deuce Vaughn, so. You know, any week that's not, like, ridiculous. It's like it's like the curse of being an honors student where you have, like, these ridiculously high expectations of you. And, you know, if you don't live up to, like, that perfect expectation, it's considered to be a disappointment even if it's a high mark. Right. No, yeah, I get what you're saying. Just like Deuce. <laughs> Connor saw my face and just like, well, I'm getting off this topic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Deuce. Yeah, he is on. He's in a league of his own with this offense. It's he. It's clear. It's just very obvious. He's far and away the best on the offense. It's not particularly close, honestly. Yeah. But uh, I, I do think you're right in that the standards are a little different for for Deuce at minimum. Uh, but running backs, we saw Deuce and we saw Joe. No Jacardier. Uh, he was on kick coverage, but Deuce. 25 rushes, under 21 yards, one touchdown, 4.8 a carry. That's pretty good. Joe had the most of his damage on the first drive. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, didn't do a ton. His uh, averages were impacted a bit by uh, choosing to give him handoffs at the tail end of the game as opposed to uh, uh, just kneeing it out. But joe uh, he still gets the touchdown early on he had a really violent run to get that to the first and goal uh, i give an a to the running backs uh, flirted with an a plus just because i'm tempted to always yeah. but it wasn't quite an a plus especially considering the performance we got out of deuce uh, last week against kansas so that's an a for me yeah now moving into the pass catchers this is a, just another week where they weren't asked to do much. I mean, Phillip was the leading receiver, Phillip Brooks, who's quietly leading the team in receiving. No one knows that. 
Like, if you ask someone, like, who's the leading receiver, like, that actually plays wide receiver, they're probably like, oh, it's it's Malik. No, Malik is in second. It's Philip Brooks leading. Um, he had five for 65, but that's really, like, the most notable wide receiver performance. That being said, they didn't have any, like, atrocious drops. They were running fine routes. They just didn't get a chance to contribute that much by the very nature of West Virginia's defense. And we were just willing to take tight ends and running backs this game. And so I can't yeah. hold it against them, but they still are going to get a B from me. Yeah, I went with a B- minus for basically the same reasons. Because they didn't do anything wrong, really, but they just weren't given the opportunities to do anything uh, really right. Yeah. So they uh, just kind of chilled this game, other than Phillip Brooks. Uh, Brooks, he... Uh, um, had a very nice day. Had some very clutch third down catches again. He's just consistently that third down safety blanket. Literally plus 99 to every attribute on third downs. I believe you. <laughs> yeah, the five catches for 62, I think at least two or three of those were third downs. So maybe more. He, we're just addicted to running mesh with Brooks as the first read on third downs. It works. And it works. It works every time, and no one defends it. I don't know why, but that's just how it's been working. <laughs> and Brooks was really nice. But other than that, like you said, there's not a ton of contribution uh, from the receivers. Howell had a catch on a long third down that didn't make it to the first down because he was well short of the sticks. Cade and Landry, I don't remember their receptions, but they did have them. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really remember the situation that they were in. But Cade yeah. almost broke that tackle on his reception. He almost broke another tackle and then he got gang tackled, but Cade Warner seems like like of all things I expected Cade Warner to be. I did not expect him to be a run after catch threat just by sheer strength. Yeah, that's one of the stranger receiver developments that we've had in quite a while. Just and he's in the midst of his best season as a collegiate receiver. Uh with 124 receiving yards. So he's, I mean, for his standards, having a, a very nice year. Yeah. So He's listening to Fort Minor in his helmet every single time he gets it. This is 10% luck, 20%, 10%. skill, 15% concentrated power. Well, I'd say it's maybe more like 20% luck. But it's 20% luck. But, yeah, the B- for the receivers. Yeah. So tight ends and fullbacks. I think this is the first week where tight ends and fullbacks will get a higher grade than the receivers for me. Um, they're going to get a B plus because A, Jax murdered someone <laughs> again. He just kind of does that every once in a while. <laughs> I think Jax has kind of developed into the blocking fullback. Ben Sinnott has developed into the like utility fullback, which sad, but also I, I love me some fullbacks. Um, then Sammy Wheeler... Honestly, if Sammy Wheeler doesn't have those catches, if those are made by a receiver, we're flipping the grades for a receiver and tight end for me. But Wheeler, honestly, is single-handedly kind of carrying this grade up to a B plus. Yeah. Wheeler was absolutely clutch in this game. Uh, he had the, the big fourth down catch. That was such a gutsy call uh, to roll with that. Because um, I know Kleiman said in the post-game pressers, uh, he asked mess uh, if he had a play call he said he did and he pretty much asked Skyler if he thought he could do something with it he said yes he said all right well good luck man <laughs> I, have a, 
Do you have a play call mess? Yes, I have a gap power. No, not that one mess. No, the other one. And he's like, oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but uh, jokes aside, it was a really nice play call. Uh, a perfect throw by Skyler. Great catch by Sammy. Then he had the lone uh, receiving touchdown of the day. The only uh, receiving touchdown or touchdown through the air, I should say, for K-State. And then he had another reception, which I do not remember happening at all. <laughs> just because it wasn't important. He had three catches for 45. One was the clutch fourth down. One was the touchdown. One is a mystery catch that happened some other time. Nobody knows. No one knows <laughs> where it was. But And then Jax absolutely destroyed somebody. <laughs> I mean, it was hilarious to watch from where we were at because you couldn't really see Jax because he's very small. Oh, you'd hear him. <laughs> yeah, you could hear it. And you also could see the body of the West Virginia player go flying through the air lifeless. <laughs> Just contemplating their choice to try and meet Jax at the Why, goal line. Mama? Why wasn't I born, big? <laughs> but yeah, tight ends, fullbacks, they were encouraging. Only thing is I would like to see Daniel Machabebe get some more targets. It's I, I'm wondering I'm wondering if he's just fighting injury at this point and is just there's only really specific situations where they feel confident to get him the ball. But Sammy Wheeler picked up the slack. Then Leonard's had a reception as well today. Uh, and he held on to the ball, too. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> he did it. He fumbles once, and now he suddenly has a fumble. It was a fumble. really important fumble. <laughs> but yeah, I give an A- minus to the tight ends and fullbacks. Funnily enough, that's my grade for the next group, the offensive line. And this isn't even a group, like, me giving them an A- because they, like, this isn't me curving it because my expectations were low for them. They legitimately played a good game. Like, I expected our weakness to be interior running and interior pass rush. Both of those were, okay, not non-issues, but they were still, like, I honestly thought this was going to be a day where we would give up, like, three or four sacks. I would have considered it a good day if we gave up like three we gave up one and a lot of that was actually you know noah johnson and ben adler like figuring it out they figured it out against west virginia one of the okay the second best defensive line in the conference behind only oki state and of course bb is good uh duffy and logan long switched out honestly they seemed about the same, except yeah. for Logan Long, I think, is younger. Uh, no, Logan Long is actually older, I think. He's oh. a senior. I think. It's a lateral move either way. Yeah. They get an A- minus for me. But yeah, I uh, flip-flopped with you on the grades from the last group because I give a B plus to the offensive line. Uh, they, like you said, they far exceeded my expectations. I was going to this week thinking I was going to have to give them like a C minus or a D plus because I was expecting to see Noah Johnson getting absolutely just eviscerated like every single play, which you would not be wrong to assume that's what would happen. But we seemingly figured some things out in pass protection headed into this week because the pass protection was actually really good. And uh, the running lanes, they were there for the most part as well. Uh, there were moments where uh, there were some uh, TFLs, especially kind of later in the game. Uh, but that's to be expected as the line kind of wears down. They lose stamina. But they still get a B-plus for me. They were really good. They're really pushing an A-minus there. Yeah. Uh, but 
And when, from what I can remember, there were no, like, plays that I can think of that were, like, instantly blown up. Because that's been a big problem with the offensive line is, like, just basically not even giving certain plays a chance. Yeah. Because it just gets detonated instantly. Yeah. I don't remember any plays like that. I don't either. Also, Christian Duffy did not get coffee house this week, so... Nor did he trip on himself. Nor did he trip on himself. So that's that's a that's a net positive right there. We love you, Duffy. We love you, Duffy. Now let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. And this was my god, it's another great week for the defense. Let's start with the defensive line. They let's not dance around it. I say that one for one group every single week. Let's not dance around it. The defensive line gets an A. Nate Matlick's contribution. Timmy Horn is still Timmy Horn. He doesn't show up on the stat sheet, so people think he's bad. And then you actually watch the game and you're like, wait, who is that? That's Timmy Horn, the guy you said was bad. Uh, Felix was good, a contributor. Eli Huggins quietly contributed. Uh, Jalen Pickle was good when he was in. I think he'll be back. Uh, uh, he, he walked off on his own power. He walked off on his own power, and he also uh, did return for a few snaps as well. He's also apparently a very good bowler. Uh, yes, allegedly. Allegedly, the rumor, me. The rumor has it. <laughs> rumor has it. From one of the hosts of this show. So, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, Pickle uh, did not record any stats, but should be healthy in the future. Because I, re- I really like Jalen Pickle. So. Yeah. Follows us on Twitter. But <laughs> the defensive line was really great contributors all day. Like, filling the runs. And just great all around. Yep. I gave the defensive line an A as well. Uh, Nate Matlick, of course, uh, statistically was the highlight of the day with the two tackles for loss, the one sack, and the four tackles as a whole to go with the forced fumble because it was that uh, strip sack, I believe, which for some reason now counts. And <laughs> For some reason. <laughs> also, I think those two TFLs may have been on the same play because he forced the fumble on the strip sack from Jarrett Dagey, the lineman for Westringer recovered it, and then he also tackled them behind the line. So he may have gotten two TFLs in the same play, which I don't know how many times that's happened. Uh, any any people that may know something about that, please. KSU fan. KSU fan, we, we are calling upon you. I don't know if you listen to the show, but he did follow us back on Twitter, though. So. Sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then among others, uh, you have Felix, who had another very, very good performance. Uh, not as monstrous of course as the tcu performance that's a generational performance so yeah. you can never expect him to do that uh but he had the key forced fumble to go with the tfl and a couple of tackles uh timmy horn was timmy horn eli huggins uh like you said quietly had a very nice day from uh, coming georgia yep tim uh, not timmy horn. eli huggins from coming georgia had a great day and uh everybody else they contributed. They played well. Kimari Gainis got on the field a little bit. Yeah, uh, so did uh, Tyrone Tolini. Yeah, Tyrone Tolini played a lot of snaps. He's been playing way more recently. And he's so. one of those players that you don't notice, but like when you see him, it's like, yeah, he's 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 all right. Yeah, he's doing his job. Really strong player, but yeah. uh, just I don't know, not getting to the quarterback as much. Not really sure. I think he's more the run stopping end. That's probably it. But mm-hmm. anyway, next group is the linebackers. And this was a group that we keep saying surprises us. This was another game where they were really surprisingly solid. Because the number one problem that they had earlier in the year, I'm looking at you, Iowa State game. Yeah, yeah. if you ever want a reminder of how far we've come, go back and listen to the Iowa State episode. 
where but they've really learned how to fill their gaps properly and fill their gaps quickly and then make sure the play never gets started because that was the key for getting rid of Letty Brown. Make sure his one-cut nature does not shine through and he doesn't just, like, slash you up. And our linebackers really helped with that. And then they were solid in coverage and solid in blitzing. They get an A from me. They got an A from me as well. Um, Like you said, the linebackers have just completely turned their season around from being arguably the worst unit on this defense for a brief stretch of time to, at times, looking the best. And Cody Fletcher uh, has completely blow my expectations out of the water. Daniel Green has been, he's become everything I hoped that he would become. He was really what the linebacker room, their success hinged on going into this year. And he has completely stepped up in every sense of the word and has become a leader of this defense uh, with his six tackles and a sack of Jared Nagy. Fletcher had his first interception at TFL and seven tackles. And Austin Moore has been pretty good as well. Uh, and then Nick Allen, he's been filling in and has been serviceable. So, A from the linebackers. They stopped the run well. They pass rush when they needed to. And just as a whole, they were they were good. Not Absolutely nothing to complain about, really. Yeah. So. Now the defensive backs. Talk about being wowed by a unit. that They get an A+. I, spoilers. Yeah, they get an A+. Russ Yeast. <laughs> Had the game of his life. Julius Brents contributed in his limited snaps. T. Denson got in and at times looked like a legit starting corner as a backup. Echo, while he still is developed, like if you ask Echo to play in man coverage, he's nails. Zone coverage, I'm starting to see where people are complaining about his depth, but that's like it's not as bad as people say it is. He it, it and that's a just a corner thing. If they want to play in their zone like tightly, they'll play in their to- their zone tightly. But Echo was good. Great, even. Denson was good. Honestly, probably our worst defensive back was Justin Gardner when he was on the field, and he was still good. Yeah. Like, Ross Elder contributed. J-Mac contributed. There's not a single, like, minus play that I can truly think of for a defensive back. Like, there are some plays where you're like, okay, that... It wasn't the greatest play, but I can't think of a like a knock on it. Stubby, Stubby getting the fumble recovery. Like the defensive back seemingly did everything right this game, so they get an A plus from me. I gave them an A plus as well because if for no other reason than like you said, Rusty East had the best game of his K State career, and it's not even close. He started out with a bang with the interception on that first possession. It was a poor throw by uh, Jarrett Dakey as well as Butterfingers by the West Wing receiver. He took advantage of the situation, picked it off, completely flipped the script on West Virginia, who elected to receive the opening kickoff, and that backfired completely. And That's why you always defer. Always defer. Always defer. No matter how confident you think you are, you're not. Just, you're not. You're wrong. And Russ, he was a sure tackler. Uh, he forced a fumble and uh, then had three, three, three pass breakups today. Uh, he had, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of them. He had uh, the knockout hit. Yeah, yeah, the knockout hit where he absolutely blew somebody up. 
That was the trick play. Yeah. And then yeah, that trick play he had that as well. Uh where on the flea flicker, uh, it was one of the best pass breakups that I've seen. And where he I thought he picked it at first. Yeah, it was just a complete recovery. And he just because their guy was pretty much open and he just closed in and despite the guy getting oh, his God, hands on it Russ music. <laughs> and he just knocked it out. He had a kind of similar play, honestly, against Nevada where late in the game, the tight end, I think, caught it. And as he was falling, he just kind of got his hand in and knocked it out. Mm-hmm. Similar play, but even better. Russ, you can't ask for anything more than what he gave. And that's not all. J-Mac was good. He had his own pass deflection. Ross Elder, he had the near pick as well as the pass breakup uh, at another point in the game. Stubby had a big TFL, blew up a running back that didn't have the ball, but that allowed for Daniel Green to make a play of his own. And then Stubby brought the energy per usual. Uh, TJ Smith, he did not play a ton, but he did record a tackle. And then elsewhere, Justin Gardner had three tackles. Echo, he, like like we did notice a few moments where his zone coverage left a little to be desired, but his man is just excellent. You cannot ask for better man coverage, really. And then Julius Brents, uh, he had the big TFL. Uh, was actually really going to run support. And the biggest concern about him was his willingness to uh, step up and run support. Yeah. So just as a whole, excellent performance by the defensive backs. And it's not something that you would look at on paper and think they were great. They gave up 268 passing yards to Jarrett Dagey, but that's six yards per passing attempt because he had 45 pass attempts in this game, and he's not a good quarterback. So, yeah, and he threw two picks, one of them to Fletcher, who was not thought of as a coverage linebacker. Because granted, he's not. Now, granted, it was late, but still. And then he was just off on a lot of throws, um, one of his touchdowns, you could argue there was a missed holding call on Felix, which granted you could argue there were many missed holding calls on Felix. And but, Nate. And Nate as well. Nate, every single pass rush he had, he was uh, being ripped down by the right tackle. But yeah, he got his regardless, so why it doesn't matter. But Jarrett, not the best quarterback already, but the defensive uh, backfield, they did not even give him an inch. They, they did not let him do anything deep. Everything that went deep was denied. Uh, uh, it was all, basically all screens, drags, slants, easy stuff for Jarrett Dagey. I mean, just anything within 10 yards, they were begging for. And defensive backs, just really, really good. They were everywhere they needed to be to prevent the big play. Yeah. So, you know, all A's for the defensive units. Then we can get into the coordinators. Let's start with Courtney Messingham who is continuing the trend of making me believe that he's just a completely different person. Because the main play that everyone will point to is that gutsy 4th and 8 call, which was quite literally one of the best play calls that he's had here at K-State. But this was a truly, like, not going to go as far as to say a master class, because I feel like that's a bit of a hyperbole, but he had an excellent game play calling. He seemingly could not be wrong in some cases. The only problem that would happen was sometimes the execution would break down. And, you know, that just kind of happens as as a coordinator. You can't have everything go perfectly your way in execution. But Mess could do no wrong, and the only reason he doesn't get an A-plus 
is because I would like to see him kind of coach those plays a bit better in practice to where they get executed more often. But if that's my only concern is like your players aren't executing it perfectly, you're doing a great job as a coordinator and you deserve an A. I went with an A minus. Uh, like you said, he was great uh, against West Virginia. Uh I, I would obviously, I would definitely stop short of masterclass for the game like you did. But I will say, again, another first drive masterclass by Courtney Messingham. He has shown that he is just incredible at creating a first drive script to just eviscerate opposing defenses. I mean, West Virginia's rush defense was pretty stout for most of the day. But that first drive, they looked like they were on a different planet. Like, it looks like we were facing KU's defense for one series. And Mess continues to be great at first drive scripts. But and the rest of the way, he was calling great plays. There were moments where it was uh, more uh, on execution, like you said, than Mess uh, just not having the right plays. I was shocked to go online and see people uh, saying that we should fire Messingham after I, this game. I, I, you, okay. Those people normally, like, have a physical voice. I don't mean to interrupt you. No, it's I'm okay. sorry. No, go for it. But we also have the rule that we can interrupt each other. Go for it. But, yeah. like, whenever they don't show up in the student section, the most anti-Messingham group in real life that I've ever met, no, there's no room for you to complain. Stop talking. <laughs> Yeah, the only reason he doesn't get higher is because there were a few moments where I felt he got a little too predictable, which that is like really his only, that's my only knock on him right now is sometimes he does get a little too predictable, but his use of pre-snap motion to reveal defensive scheming and coverages to make things easier for the offense, uh, it's excellent. He is really proving that last year was an anomaly in terms of offensive production, and there were other factors at play, like uh, a plethora of injuries, uh, COVID, uh, Skyler being hurt, and just breaking in uh, new players, and just uh, um, bad luck in general as well. But Mess, he gets an A minus. I I don't know what to say. Like yeah, we only had two hundred ninety nine total yards. I don't care because yeah. he called a great game. He really did. Yeah. And then we can talk about defensive coordinator Kleinerman. Yeah, he gets an A. He This was another game where it seemed like he really could do no wrong because it was just a lot of underneath stuff that got given up. And then the coverage call and the blitz calls that he would make would consistently get at least somewhat decent pressure, even when they were bringing three. But, yeah, honestly, Kleinerman gets an A. Not much to say there. He gets an A for me as well. Uh, Kleinerman was great. Talk about a rise, fall, and then resurrection of of somebody. I mean, Mess has definitely been drawn under fire from the fan base at times, but Klanderman, he really had a meteoric rise, sharp fall, and then resurrection, uh, more dramatic than Messingham has ever had. And I, I, I'm really happy with how Klanderman has been calling things recently. Uh, the defensive line has been excellent. Uh, I love uh, how we're uh, playing coverage. I love how we attacked Jared Dagey in coverage. Uh, just everything deep was denied. 
honestly, most everything intermediate was denied. It was just the short stuff, the dink and dunks, because we know that Jared Dagey's a mistake-prone quarterback. He threw two picks, and we know that, as well as some pretty bad incompletions from Jarrett. So we knew that just leave it short, he'll get some there. But he's also going to make mistakes, and we can just rely pretty effectively on him to just screw up here and there. And Klanderman, another great performance from Mr. Clandy. So The Clandy man. Clandy man. Excellent job. I'm, I'm surprised we haven't said that before. But anyway, we may have. I we may have. I don't know. Now we can get into, sorry, the MVPs and uh, simple. We're not including Deuce because it's always Deuce. Uh, we'll go for offense, or at least I will go. I'm not going to speak for both of us. I'm going to go on offense, Sammy Wheeler, and then defense, Russ East. I have the same people. Uh, there's people that can be, you can make an argument for that aren't Sammy Wheeler and Russ East. Like you could say, you could say Phillip Brooks, honestly. Uh, he was clutch on third downs. You can say Deuce because he's Deuce. Uh, those are the two main arguments on offense, but Sammy it was just, he made the clutch fourth down reception and he had the big receiving touchdown to put us up 24-3. So I think it was Sammy on offense and defensively, even though there were some great individual performances from Nate Matlick, uh, Eli Huggins, Felix and Udike Uzama, and then the linebackers as well, Fletcher and Green. Uh, it ultimately, it's, it, Russ runs away with this uh, MVP. So it's Russ. It's it's obvious for me. Yeah. So now we can go into the takeaways. Not not a whole lot to say here. Our our defense is legit again. Mob is back. You've they've regained their mob privileges. Yeah, they they lost it for a while, and I was very sad. But I, I found myself throwing the mob sign up in uh, in this game multiple times, and it it was good. And I was happy that the mob was back. They had returned. Uh, they've been playing well enough that, like you said, they've earned it. They, The mob has returned. Hopefully, they show up again against Baylor. But we'll get more into that on our next episode. Yep. So stay tuned. Um, this is also a game that proved to me that we can win without, like, massive chunk plays. We can win just by being efficient on offense, which I remember being, a, like, a somewhat question. Like, if we... Like we have to get like a few chunk plays. No, no, we can, we can just kind of play efficient and we'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, we look at how we. I mean, our longest play, uh, offensively was a Deuce Vaughn thirty-eight yard run in the third quarter, and then we had a Sammy Wheeler thirty-five yard reception. Other than that, we had a twenty-two yarder uh, and a twenty-three yard reception from Brooks. Like we weren't blow, we weren't blowing the top off of this West Virginia defense. We were just methodically moving down the field for the most part and we were, we took our time we played ball control and we were efficient and effective in what we were trying to do we didn't have to get this we didn't have to have a long uh, splash blade and leak knolls we didn't have to have a break we didn't have to have a breakaway run from deuce we took our time and we played our game the exactly the way that we wanted it for the most part so yeah then we already talked about Russ and how he flashed a lot of skill this game. And then something that I feel like has kind of gone under the radar is our discipline was so much better this game. When it was a point in the season, especially against Iowa State, which, again, anger. Yeah. Uh, we only had one flag for 10 yards the entire game. 
that's odd. Like that's that's really weird to think about. Yeah, that's that's a callback almost to the Bill Snyder teams where even in their darkest moments, they still were very disciplined. They weren't teams that were going to get flagged very much. Uh, but it was something I, I honestly I did not see it on the takeaways and I was going to bring up when I was talking about mess and just how disciplined we were compared to how we have been in previous weeks. I just kind of forgot to. So I'm glad that we had it on the uh, takeaways because I totally forgot to bring it up. <laughs> but yeah, just the one flag for 10 yards, I think, was it a hold? It was a hold. Yeah. And other than that, all, West Virginia didn't have any penalties either. Not a very heavily flagged performance or heavy flag game they had targeting and illegal like motion yeah then yeah an illegal motion and targeting (laughs) and that was the duality of west virginia (laughs) that was yeah there were as many turnovers at west there yeah west virginia had more turnovers and penalties in this game which is kind of weird yeah but yeah very disciplined game yeah and this game as unconfident as i was uh, going into this week for Baylor, especially after they beat Oklahoma. Obviously, this is pending film study, so this this might change. This is definitely a team that could, if we play the exact same way that we have against TCU and West Virginia, KU doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> That's KU. KU doesn't count. I know they just beat Texas, but KU doesn't count. Yep. Um, we could very well beat Baylor. Yeah, I if yeah we could beat Baylor, I think. If we perform at, a, at the same level, we even close uh, might be enough if we can get Baylor to trip up just a few times. Because one thing the defense has really struggled with this year that we've kind of talked about a little, we haven't touched on it a ton, but we have, is that they really struggled to force turnovers uh, over the course of the year. Uh, they had a lot at the beginning, but there haven't been as many throughout uh, the rest of the season. Like We didn't force any against KU, but three against West Virginia, two picks, and then a forced fumble, and we actually got it because we normally don't recover the fumbles that we force. But uh, if we can get Baylor to trip up a few times and we're efficient with the drives that we have, it is absolutely a winnable game. And this is sort of a moment where if we beat Baylor, we're talking about finishing the regular season 9-3 and three because Texas has looked uh, absolutely <laughs> Awful. And Bajan Robinson is now injured and out for the year uh, with an elbow injury. Not to jump ahead a couple of weeks, but he he's not a factor anymore. So and he's the the guy other than Xavier Worthy in their offense. So this could be a nine and three K State team looking at a higher level bowl game, maybe even pushing for New Year's six, depending on how the cards fall. So Yeah. Uh, maybe New Year's Six. That like I didn't think about that, but yeah, that could actually happen if the cards fall correctly. Yeah, which is wild to think about. But yeah, that pretty much is all we have to say about the West Virginia game. It was a solid win for the Cats, and that's it. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats. If you want to follow the show or reach out to us, we are at Aggieville A Cats on Twitter. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. We are Aggieville Alley Cats at gmail.com if you want to email us. And if you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdward00. I am at Connor Balthasaur, capital C, capital B. If you want to support the show financially, we're always looking for sponsors. But if you want to buy some merchandise, 
boy, do we have the website for you. It is the Aggieville Alley Cats official merch store where you can buy such designs as Play Sandstorm Cowards and Neon Alley Cats, as well as including the brand new crew neck sweatshirts. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.